0: Welcome to Episode 112 of the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shatama, and once again this week, we are going to have story time from Friedman's Fables. If you don't have this book, it is definitely a must-read, a must-have in your family systems library. Today's fable is called Round in Circles, and I will read it in its entirety, and then I will break it down, give you my take on it. Late one afternoon, a moth emerged from its cocoon and chanced upon a fly buzzing about a window. With no particular purpose of its own, the moth was fascinated by the industry and vigorous intent of the other insect. Over and over, the fly would land on the pane, stay motionless for an indefinite time, and then suddenly, without any signal, retreat into the air, only to land inches away after a short flight to nowhere in particular. "'What are you doing?' the moth asked. "'What do you mean, what am I doing?' answered the fly. "'Can't you tell?' "'Well, I'm sorry,' the moth replied. "'It's just that you seem to be going about your business with such energy, "'and I was wondering.' The fly landed a few centimeters away. "'I've been at this all day,' he said, "'and you want to know what I'm doing?' (laughs) "'Humph!' And he took off again, flew for a few seconds, and returned, this time landing on the moth's other side." "'Look here,' said the moth, rotating his whole body so that he could see the fly better. "'I just thought that maybe I could, but the fly had taken to the air again, as if never to return. He changed direction abruptly, however. In fact, it was so quick it might have appeared to be one continuous flight, and descended further down the glass. The moth glided over, landing gently nearby, but before he could continue his thought, the fly was once again in flight. Up he went, "'over and down, nearly a vertical descent this time, landing sharply to the left. "'Then, almost immediately, he took off with a steep climb, "'but with a round trip that left him exactly where he had been. "'I really don't mean to be impolite,' said the moth, "'but I notice how you just keep taking off and landing, "'yet you don't seem to be getting anywhere. "'Well, it won't help any talking to you,' said the fly. "'Time's a-wasting.' he added, and elevated himself quickly, this time coming down at the top of the window. Motionless, but ever intense, he called over to the moth. Don't you realize that today is almost over? And then, without waiting for an answer, he flit. Though just as if he had been held to some limit by an elastic band, he rebounded upon the pane, circled to another spot, came back to the first, and finally stayed still, looking impassively on the softly swaying moth. "'Don't you ever get tired?' asked the moth. "'I can't allow myself to,' said the fly as he bolted into the air, only to dart back to his previous position. "'What are you looking for?' "'Looking for?' the fly responded incredulously, then hurled himself out from the glass. "'You don't have much patience.' "'That's easy for you to say,' the fly called back. Then, hopping over, he added, "'I only have today.' "'The window's closed,' said the moth." I know that, replied the fly in a don't-be-stupid sort of way, and zoomed off, circled, slowed almost to a hover, and quickly alighted nearby. I don't see any cracks or holes, either. Tell me something new, the fly asked sarcastically, and took off. When he had returned, the moth responded, I mean, there just doesn't seem to be any way at all to get to the other side. Look, said the fly, I don't tell you how to run your life and plummeting backwards from the window, he circled and touched down. At least I try, he added after he had landed. God, you are serious. That's easy for you to say, the fly replied, again positioning himself for another takeoff. It's not your problem. But have you had any success? Not yet. Why do you think I have to keep trying? How long will you continue? Till I succeed. What if you don't? I can't allow myself to think about that either. Suppose you cover every inch and still don't succeed. I've already done that. You have? Then why don't you go to another window? I can't do that. I have to keep trying. But you just said you've covered every inch. I might have missed something. At least, said the moth, you might try another approach. I've considered that. I've decided to try harder and as soon as he had announced his commitment, the fly rocketed away and began taking off and landing so frequently that he appeared to be bouncing off the surface. "'All those eyes sure don't help you to see much better, do they?' asked the moth. "'What do you mean by that?' returned the fly. He had come to a stop on the lower portion of the window. "'Well, I've been watching you, and maybe it's not how much one can see, but the angle. "'I've thought of that. Why do you think I keep coming from a different direction?' I don't think you understand, said the moth. I meant the attitude. I try as hard as I can. I mean perspective, said the moth with some exasperation. You know, distance. I go a thousand times my height as it is. If I were to go out any further, there would be less time left for landings. The fly flew off again. Distance has to do with thinking, shouted the moth, still trying to make the other understand. What's that? "'asked the fly, intent on the glass window before him. "'But the moth never heard the question. "'By now it had become dusk, "'and from somewhere far off a light source began to radiate. "'The spark attracted its attention. "'Then suddenly, as if by some secret command, "'the moth fluttered and took wing in the direction of the glow, "'where it crackled itself to a crisp on an electric arc.' And the moral of the story is, the most difficult habit to break is breaking the habits of others. This is one of my favorite from Friedman's Fables, and I want to focus on three takeaways today. The first is, nobody likes to be told what to do. When we tell others what they should be doing, we are not self-differentiating, right? We are trying to define others. We're focusing on the other person. And when we tell somebody what to do, they actually will almost automatically resist. I know this is true for myself. I know that when people tell me that I have to do something, I must do something, I should do something, there's an automatic reaction inside of me that just doesn't want to do it. Now, that's not rational, it's not mature, and sometimes I need to really check myself to think about, well, maybe I should do it. Maybe I do need to do it, but my automatic reaction is to push back. And that's the thing we need to learn from this fable, is when we try to tell other people what to do, when we try to define them instead of define ourselves, there will not only be resistance, but there will actually be the opposite effect. Instead of them wanting to do what we are telling them to do, there will be resistance, there will be pushback, and as I've mentioned in previous podcast episodes, the research shows that when people push back, when they defend their position, when they fight for what they believe in, they actually further entrench their position. So when we get into a conflict of wills over telling somebody else what they need to do, we are almost certainly going to experience pushback. The result of that pushback is that the other person is going to be further entrenched in their position, resisting what we tell them to do. The second takeaway from this is that seriousness can really bind our thinking. The fly is not without fault here. The fly is so serious. He's so focused in on the idea that he has to get to the other side that he almost can't think straight. That's what the moth is actually seeing in him. The moth actually uses the word perspective, that perhaps the fly needs to look at things from a different perspective, but he is so serious that he cannot allow himself to. Now, he's feeling under pressure. He's got only a few hours to live, and he feels like he needs to accomplish his task. But how much is this like when we are feeling under pressure, when we are in anxious situations and we are super serious? In fact, the best thing that we can do in situations like that is get some perspective by doing something differently, not, not differently in trying to approach the problem, but actually getting out of our own head, doing a hobby, doing something we like, seeing some friends who are outside the system that we're in that is causing us problems, whether that's a family, a congregation, or an organization. By getting some perspective, it reduces the seriousness, reduces the intensity of the situation, and helps us to realize that it's not our entire lives. It may make a big, big part of our lives, but it is not everything. And doing something that's outside of that system, that is enjoyable, that helps us to enjoy life and be less serious, will definitely give us some perspective. It will help us to not be the fly. And finally, there's the moth. He is not without fault either. He's trying to tell the fly what to do, and that is something that is really easy for us to do. We, we can get in the habit of being able to see other people's problems more easily than we can see our own, and so it's easy for us to want to give advice, to want to tell people what to do, and as I said, this is not something that's going to go over well. But the other part of that is when we focus on defining others, when we focus on other people's situations and trying to tell them what they need to do, rather than focusing on ourselves and understanding what we need to do, perhaps how we could help the other in a helpful way, not just telling them what to do. But by focusing on somebody else, we lose perspective in our own situations and it makes it more difficult to self-regulate. When we are focused on defining others, When we are taking responsibility for others instead of taking responsibility for self, it is harder to self-regulate. Our automatic responses become more likely, and in this case, that's what happened with the moth. Because he wasn't taking responsibility for self, he wasn't able to realize that his natural instinct to go towards the light would end up killing him. I think this is a good warning because when we are thinking a lot about somebody else, about how wrong they are or what they need to do or what's wrong with them, even if we don't ever express it, we need to ask ourselves, why are we spending so much time on the other person? And why can't we focus on taking responsibility for self? And that is the big takeaway, I think, from this episode Stay in your lane. Take responsibility for yourself and let others be responsible for their own problems. Sure, you can observe, you might even advise, but when you try to break the habits of others, when you try to live somebody else's life for them, when you try to get them to do something they don't want to do, you not only get pushback from them, but you lose focus on taking responsibility for self. So, if you want to be a non-anxious leader, stay in your lane. And that's it for episode 112. Next week, we will do another episode of Storytime from Friedman's Fables. If you're looking for the transcript, uh, it you can find it at my website, thenonanxiousleader.com, but I will not include the actual transcript of the story in there because that's copyrighted information. Please buy the book. It's worth buying. And if you want to connect with me, you can go to thenonanxiousleader.com. I love hearing from you, especially your questions and comments and what you'd like to hear about in the future. Until next time, thanks and goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, there are two things you can do to help others find this podcast. First, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app. And second, leave a review. I appreciate your help. Finally, you can find more resources as well as subscribe to my blog at thenonanxiousleader.com. Now, go be yourself.